What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Music Connects People, a new podcast devoted to the songs and musicians that bring fans together through music and create the soundtrack of our lives. I'm your host, Tom Jennings, music writer based in Western New York. For our first episode, I'm happy to present a conversation with singer, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist Elliot Lewis. Elliot is best known for his work as keyboardist and background vocalist for Hall & Oates. Elliot also holds the distinction of being the only performer, other than Daryl Hall, to appear in every episode of Live from Daryl's House. As if that were not enough, he's a former member of Average White Band and records and performs as a solo artist. I first met Elliot a few years back in Buffalo, New York, at a solo performance the night before Hall & Oates was to play a major venue in the area. Elliot also took time out to perform an intimate meet-and-greet show in a small town near where I live. Through Elliot Lewis and his music, I've connected with many friends. In this conversation, Elliot and I discuss his new solo album, Adventure, and a few other things. I've also added some samples of the songs so you can get a taste of what Elliot's solo work sounds like. Right, okay. Alright, so let's, uh, let's start with the, with the new album and then kind of work our way back, if, if you don't mind. Uh, I mean, I've just listened to Adventure again today, and, um, I guess we'll just start with the, the title track. I mean, it's, it's, my first impression is that it's it's very much an upfront first track on an album, very catchy, you know, kind of from the old tradition of two-sided record albums. It seems like a great side one song. And I know you have a background in production and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, where did it come in the pecking order as far as when you wrote it and whatnot? And when did you decide to make that the lead-off single and then, of course, or lead-off song and then also the uh, title for the album? Well, you know, it just, sometimes on these things, you get a gut feeling about what songs work and what songs could sort of lead a record with. And that one just has been, actually, it's been around for a while because it's been in my show for a while. Now, some of these songs on this record actually existed for a little while before this record. Um, You know, I had been putting out, you know, releases independently like a lot of us do. Uh, every year. So when I got this record deal, which was totally unexpected, I wasn't really looking for a a record deal per se. It sort of just came to me and fell into my lap. So what we did with through Universal is we sort of went through a couple of my um, independently released EPs, and we kind of cherry picked some of the best things that we thought could live together for it. 
and uh, and I and I had some brand new material as well, like wearing it together. That's a brand new thing. But Adventure actually had been around for a while. So what I ended up doing is just kind of re-recording some things that I thought could use a little bit of, you know, um, improvement, and um, and we just took it from there. And um, this record has got ten. Ten of my own songs, and there's one cover on it. And um, what happened with that was that uh, the, the guy who runs the record label, he said, you know, you kind of remind me of um, Vintage Bad Company. And I thought, well, that's a big compliment because I love Bad Company and Paul Rogers. So he said, would you, you know, consider doing a, a Bad Company cover? And so um, that's how we came up with that. Um, so yeah, I mean, so, so, um, I think the record is pretty cohesive and adventure, like I said, is one of these songs that's been in my show for a while and, uh, always gets a good reaction. It's got a, a interesting mood to it. So, uh, yeah. Something, looking for something that really doesn't matter. A lot of these songs, just, you know, sort of the one-word titles and everything. Yeah. Kind of, you know, being, you know, your friend on social media and sort of seeing what goes on in your typical life between Daryl's house and the Hall & Oates band and your solo career and everything. I mean, you lead a, a pretty darn adventurous life. I mean, it's uh, well, it, yes, amazing I, stuff. I do. And, and I always think about stuff like that. When you're writing songs, you know, I, I try personally to – come up with songs with titles and concepts that are not all about romance and love and girl meets boy and that kind of stuff and and to kind of kind of um you know draw on some life experiences and and it's one thing that I always had said to myself before I wrote the song is you know you never know what one day is going to bring to the next you, and you can't really control what happens and you just got to say, you know what, this is a big adventure. And I would always say that to myself. So one day it just dawned on me to write a song about it. So that's how that came about. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, I mean, even just looking at the last three years, you know, you played with Hall & Oates at the uh, yeah. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. I mean, mm-hmm. the artists that you get to meet, I, I read about your meeting Rick Nielsen, which was cool. And since you're Chief Trick plan, or Chief Trick fan, oh, yeah, got him on. Budokan, you know, I mean. So I know. And everything. I mean, if you, if there's got to be days where you pinch yourself a little bit. There is not a day really that goes by that I don't think about how lucky and fortunate I am. I, I mean, it sounds cliched and corny, but literally, um, you know, it's crazy. My life has unfolded almost exactly like I had hoped and wished for when I was 10 years old when I first picked up the drums. In fact, it's really surpassed it in many ways. I mean, at 10 years old, you think, wow, okay, I've I found an instrument and I want to play music for the rest of my life. And at 10, you just think, I just want, you don't think about money or a career. You just think, I want to do this, <laughs> you know. And then when you get a little older, you say, okay, well, I have to make 
uh, well, how do I make a career out of this thing that's so fun that I love? Um, you know, and then you have dreams about what your career might be and where you might want to play. And, and I've just been so fortunate. I've played every, you know, venue that I could ever dream of. I mean, the, the Madison Square Garden is, is, you know, really the highlight of my career because it was a place so special to me. Um, long story short, but I grew up with a, a, a kid who uh, was a bass player and I had just started drums and his dad was in the music business and took us as little 10, 11, 12 year olds to Madison Square Garden every week to meet, uh, see, you know, uh, Elton John, The Who, Alice Cooper, Peter Frampton. And, uh, so the garden, we would meet these people. So the garden, um, became just the pinnacle of success for me. And, and now I've played it twice with, with Hole and Out. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been an adventure, <laughs> but a good one. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, maybe we'll we'll I, I do want to touch on the drum thing before I ask about the next yeah. song. I I, I I you know again a lot of people don't realize A that you started out as a drummer and B, you know, if your solo shows for example, you're the guitarist. I mean a lot of people kinda of see you as the keyboard player on Live from Daryl's, you've played guitar, you know, with Billy Gibbons and everything, sure, but for the yeah. most part you're like the keyboard player. But I think what's really neat about this album is that I can tell that you have that sort of drummer sensibility in that your songs really have kind of an incredible backbeat well thanks yeah i mean that's you know it's my first instrument so and i still play i'm still actively playing i don't perform live so much on drums you know uh but but i still have my my kit and i play and any chance i can get i play so it's one of those things that is just first and foremost in my songwriting you know um and it helps everything i always say if you're if you start on drums it kind of gives you uh, a very rhythmic perspective on songwriting and you can't escape that and it, for me it's been kind of beneficial and i love there's nothing more fun than hitting drums <laughs> yeah and, and you know it kind of comes back to the cheap trick thing i mean to me even as a kid listening to cheap trick uh i mean those drums were unlike any other drums and maybe Booney carlos didn't have the massive kit that neil Peart did but he still was such an important part of that band. And with the right producer, they really brought out his drums, and it, and it really made a lot of their songs. They, You know, he, uh, yeah, I'm glad you, you brought the him up and them up, because they were very influential to me um, in all ways, you know. Um, in fact, really was, you know, before then, I was about 15 or 16 or something like that when I discovered Cheat Trick. And before then, I was drumming and then transitioned to guitar, but I didn't think too much about songwriting. And it was right at the time that I started listening to Cheap Trick, and obviously they've got a very strong uh, Beatles influence, and they kind of develop this power pop, very melodic uh, sound. And I would, you know, I would turn the record over and look at who wrote these songs, you know, that like I would do with any record. And it was Rick Nielsen that, that wrote like 95% of the music. And I thought, wow, if this goofy looking guy <laughs> can write all this great music, maybe I got a shot at it. <laughs> so it's really, I have to, I have to, you know, to say it's, it's Rick, Rick Nielsen that really kind of inspired me to be a songwriter in a way. And I told him that personally. <laughs> well, that would be my, my next question. I mean, that's cool. Have, have they been on Daryl's house twice? I feel like they've been on it twice. No, just, yeah, just the once. Actually, uh, Todd Rundgren was, I think, the only guest that's been on the show twice. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Crusade, 
I mean, you know, again, another song that, that's probably been around in the live set for a little while. And, man, I just – I don't know what it is about this song. I love it so much. It kind of reminds me of uh, a little bit of ACDC, and I think I might have shared that with you before yeah. in another interview. But, again, very autobiographical, and it kind of leads me to the next question of, I mean, how hard is it – I mean, do you look at it as a crusade trying to get out there and promote your music? Because, you know, Hall & Oates is established – you go out with them, you know, you're kind of riding their reputation. Live from Daryl's house is established. But the challenge is people finding your music. I mean, they know you, but they yeah. don't know you, if that it, makes sense. Is that, oh, you're absolutely right, exactly. And I've had to sort of balance, you know, being a, a team player, being a member of a band with having a solo career. And, uh, it's, I mean, it's a lot of work, as as you well know, to um especially with so many um so many artists out there now and so many ways to sort of you know uh present yourself so um that song is is yeah i mean it's really like the the concept for the lyric like a lot of my stuff i guess is you know i have a sort of optimistic view of the world and life and i know that comes across in some of my lyrics and it's really just about Crusade, anyways, about going through life trying to do the right thing and trying to learn from your mistakes, <laughs> you know. So to me, that's like, that's my life force. 
So um, it, it means the world to me that I have a few people out there that are following and appreciate what I do. And, you know, some people look at me like, man, you work so hard. You're doing Daryl's show. You're on tour with All and Oats. I do solo shows on nights off between their shows. And, you know, I, like you said, I, I, I don't have to do it all, but I love doing it. So to me, it's, it's, it is work, but I love every second of it, you know. And I just feel like, well, I'm really lucky to do this. So, you know, I want to make the best of it and um, and just, uh, you know, hopefully touch as many people with music as I can, you know. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I, I guess um, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, my son is, is in a band, you know, they're starting to kind of make some waves in the, in the area. But, you know, a couple lessons I taught him was, you know, don't show up drunk to the gig and, if there's three people or 300 people in the audience, you got to play the same show. Uh, yeah. You always got to respect whatever size your audience is. I mean, you and I met um, when you played a venue in Medina, New York, a small town of about, I don't know, 35 or 40 people. That's and, right. And, and, and people still talk about that to this day. And I, the thing that I remember from that performance is going, man, this dude is putting on a Madison Square Garden performance. Oh, in, thanks. And, uh, Medina, you know, I don't know. That's that's pretty cool, man. I, I think that says a lot about you as a person. I'm not trying to blow up your ego. I mean, I, I think it's legit, but it, it seems like a very conscious thing as well. Well, I really appreciate you saying that. But to me, that's the bottom line is you have to – if you look out and there's 30 people or there's 300 or there's 30,000, and I play for all those numbers, <laughs> you have to just love what you're doing and be in the moment and just uh, uh, be uh, appreciative of, of where you're, where you are and what you're doing. And I love to perform. I love to play music. So to me, if I can see 10 smiling faces out there, it doesn't matter what the number is. If they're enjoying it, they're responding that I'm good. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have a great time. So yeah, I know, I, I know not everybody is like that. I know people, <laughs> I know artists, yeah. some of my peers that are working and, they get caught up in, man, we only sold 30 tickets or we only sold 50 tickets and it's a 200-seat venue. You know what? Just, just It happens to everybody at, at some point. Just enjoy what you're doing, and those people that are there will have a great time, you know. Oh, I, I agree. You know, as, as I told my son, I mean, you don't know if, if out of four of those guys, uh, one of them is a, is a uh, owns a record label, you know, and, that, True. and that's the key. Yeah. So it's always yeah. very important, but – and again, I, you know, bad publicity is going to travel a lot faster than good publicity. And you also may tick off a guy that has a lot of connections in the music industry and say, you know, hey, you're you're a slacker because you didn't put up a good show in front of whatever size audience you had. This is true. Yeah, of course, you have to be sort of on your best behavior, put your best foot forward all the time. I think, and whatever you do in life, you know, if right. you want to move forward, yeah, that's that's a good attitude to have, for sure. So, uh, last song I want to talk about on the new album, another favorite. I mean, they're, they're, they're all great songs. I mean, they really are. I mean, these three just kind of jumped out at me. Uh, soundtrack. And, uh, as a person that, that is, uh, we're, we both are around the same age and we yeah. probably grew up listening to a lot of the same people. And so many of these songs are just so important to our lives. Again, that, that just, it, it's interesting. I really feel like you've, like you captured the essence of, people that are music lovers or music writers or even performers to some degree, um, what what music really means to them. And, I mean, I, I 
what was the inspiration for that song? I mean, it sounds like something somebody should have written years ago. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Well, it's another, it's one of these other concepts I had. I always thought, you know, we take for granted some of these ideas that we have and just these thoughts that come into our head. But I always thought, um, you know, I'll hear a song, be it the Beatles or something that, you know, I'm a little too young for some of the Beatles stuff. But having older brothers, it was by the time I was growing up, it was still playing in my house, you know. But you can hear a song, and it, it, it occurred to me, you can hear a song that you haven't heard for years, and it literally takes you right back to a specific time in your life. It can, you, it, it can be a place or a time, or it can remind you of a person. And I just thought, that's a really powerful thing. Not many things do that in our lives. Music seems to do that. And people that can't remember what they had for breakfast can remember a song lyric from 40 years ago, which is amazing. So I just it finally dawned on me, I've got to write a song about this concept, you know. And, of course, you know, I did a little video for it. I try to do some videos every once in a while. And uh, I don't know if you saw it, but, you know, Daryl and John were in it, and I got Kevin Bacon and his brother to do it. I was trying to get a lot of people that I had worked with, Billy Gibbons and K.T. Tunstall, to everybody to kind of participate in this. But I realized if I'm going to... If I'm going to do that, it was going to take, like, two years to make. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I love to have fun with that kind of stuff. You know, growing up in the era that I did, also, you know, I was very into bands that um, not were only great musicians and great artists, but sort of presented a visual thing to what they do. I love the David Bowie and Alice Cooper and all that stuff, you know. So I like to have fun with the visual aspect of things if I can. Um, one last question about the album itself. You know, you you said you when you were with the Average White Band, I believe you did some production work and everything like that. Is this, yeah. Did you record this at home? Or did you go into a studio? I mean, what are the particulars for the, the studio geeks out there? Yeah, I, almost everything I've been doing. I'm one of those guys that has literally always had a home studio since the 80s before a lot of people had them. You know, I kind of embraced the technology way back when. So I've been, and it, it sort of fit into my plan because I grew up, you know, getting exposed to Todd Rundgren and Stevie Wonder and people that I realized from an early age were multi-instrumentalists and that did a lot of the stuff themselves. So that followed, uh, that I just kind of followed that plan. So I record almost everything myself, you know, being that I played a few instruments. This particular record, Adventure of God, obviously I've got a great background singer, uh, D. Sawyer's on it. But uh, other than that, it's all me and recorded at home. And, and a, you know, I don't have a ton of gear. Uh, I'm a, somewhat of a minimalist. I try to make the most out of uh, a little. <laughs> so, you know, a couple of laptops. I have a nice guitar collection. 
very, very little outboard gear, mostly, you know, plug-in stuff, and I work in Logic and a couple of great mics. And uh, But, you know, you, you need a great sounding room, and I happen to have a great sounding room right now. So, uh, yeah, that's that's how I did it. Yeah, no, it, it it sounds solid. I mean, it it. Um, but again, the technology and like you said, having a good room probably played into that. Well, I don't want to take up too much of your more of your time, and um, I'm glad we were able to focus mostly on the the current album and everything like that. And maybe down the road we'll have some live from Daryl's house stories. But oh yeah, yeah. I, I do have. Uh, I do have. A, I guess there is. Uh, you said you had. A, I, I'd rather just kind of you tease out the fact that you've got a new album in the works and I thought I saw something along the lines of that you're doing maybe a live album and then there's going to be a compilation from live from Daryl's house is that what's coming up this next year or well I have a new record um almost done believe it or not so I'm going to put out the EP within the next few months uh, because I've got such a backlog of new stuff that I haven't been able to get to because this particular year was really busy with with touring with Hall and Oates. We were out with Train almost all year, so um, so now we've cut that, that's kind of shut down. So I'm getting catching up on all this recording. So uh, there's a new studio CD um, for me in the works that'll that'll be released within a few months, and um, I, then I think the next record after that for me might be an instrumental record. Um, I do some instrumental stuff, and, and uh, I've sort of interspersed it in some of my EPs, but I think I'm going to do a record just of that um, and kind of get that out of my system. A lot of people respond live when I play a couple of these instrumental tracks, so I know there's an audience out there for it. Um, for Daryl's House, um, you know, we, we sort of shut down production about two years ago, and then they re-signed this new worldwide deal, so we've actually recorded a couple of new episodes um, I think they're going to be really good. So I don't know exactly what the release dates, and I don't know. I can't really divulge who the artists are yet, um, uh, but it, they're they're very good. <laughs> I can tell you that. And hold, I mean, the show has got such a following, so uh, it'd be a shame for it not to continue. So everybody's hoping that uh, it moves forward. Yeah, and you know, I forgot. I thought you toured with Train this summer, and I think you were covering. Uh... Calling All Angels, which is my yeah. favorite train song. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that a cool song? Yeah, I know. And, yeah. and and Pat would come out uh, on stage with us at the end on the encores and sing that. And it was actually one of the best moments of the night. You know, great song. So, you know, as you know, all these cover songs that I put in my, my set, I've been fortunate enough to play with these artists. So that one really resonated with me. I've always loved that song. So, uh, yeah, it's cool. Train's a great I band. My, I tell you, my favorite all-time moment, and even as a huge Todd Rundgren fan, and they're probably my fellow Todd Rundgren fans are going to get mad at me, but when Pat Monahan did that duet of Wait for Me with uh, Daryl Hall, it, it still gives me chills every time I hear it. I mean, me too. Oh my goodness! I, I mean, know. I can't even imagine what it would have been like to have been in the room. And I know Todd did his take on it was really good, and the original version of that song really gives me chills, but my God, Pat Monahan's voice on that was so otherworldly. I, I, I still just can't even, yeah, I, I he, can't even get he, over it. He nailed that. It was definitely one of those moments that stood out for me too. I mean, I think it stood out for all of us. It was like, wow, that really came together. His, his take and how he felt that song should be sung was just really special. It was like, it was almost made for him, you know? 
So, yeah, yeah you, you, you picked that out for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, great. Well, Elliot, I, I can't thank you enough for this interview. And uh, you Oh, know, my you. pleasure. Always you know. great talking to you, man. Let's, we've got to do this more often. Well, I hope you enjoyed this conversation and connecting with Elliot Lewis. Please consider rating this podcast. And if you'd like to order Elliot Lewis's newest CD, Adventure, please go to the show page and follow the link. This is Tom Jennings saying thank you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.